Thank you for listening to Radio Radar Plus. This is episode 30 for Thursday, December 10th. This is a special episode. This is post-PlayStation Experience, post-Game Awards, post-Final Fantasy VII coming out as an episodic game. Okay, that is me, Ludwig Kitzman. I am the U.S. Editor-in-Chief of Games Radar Plus, which is a website that exclusively writes about Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> we've been go. We've we've been successful for so many years. We figured, why stop? Why why cover other it's video fi- games? It's all Final Fantasy VII, and then <laughs> every now and again we have one article about Final Fantasy IX. But like the article it's is about just it's about why it's great. To Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> yeah, like, it's real good, <laughs> but it's not as good as VII. It's called How the Final Fantasy Series Lost Its Way. Um, I'm joined today, as you can hear, Anthony John Agnello. Eba, uba, e, eba. Wow. Senior social editor for some reason, and uh, Susan Arndt, managing editor. It's really all about lightning returns. Mm-hmm. Best Final Fantasy of all time, right? Where's that remake? Where? Yeah, where is my lightning? Oh. Well, no, we're getting the PC version this month. In just lightning a, returns? Yeah, in just a few days, we're getting oh. the the fancy sixty frames per second, ten eighty p. I just want the the uh, HD version so I can play it on one of my new consoles. Yeah, I already played it twice. Yep, uh, once on PS3 and once on Xbox 360, but. Apparently, I want to play it again. I'd be so, surprised if they didn't just wrap those up into an HD they collection, should, right? Just the whole, like use the PC the versions as the basis, and mm-hmm. there yeah. you go. Yeah, I'd buy, I'd buy the bejesus out of that. I would buy I would, it so quickly. I would buy the living heck out of it. Yeah. I, I, so, so let's talk about Final Fantasy VII. It comes out in 1996. Was it seven? Seven. Was it February of ninety-seven in Japan and September of nineteen ninety-seven in the U.S. So I didn't actually get to play the game until it came out on PC. So okay. that was quite a bit. But when I when I when I played it, I already had like a guide ready. I had a guide in hand. I was gonna <laughs> I'm gonna get the golden chocobo and I'm gonna get the Knights of the Round Summon Materia. I didn't know okay, what any okay, of those wait, things wait, wait, wait. are, but I want when, them. When did the PC version come out? Ninety-eight. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, it was by Eidos. They also did the PC version of Final Fantasy VIII. Um, so I had everything ready to go and I played that game with a guide. I don't really think I played much of it by myself for some reason. I'm not sure why, but I'm looking forward to, to playing it again now, the, the, the PS4 version that they brought out, which is a port of the new PC version, Yes. um, which actually seemed quite good. I'm going to try and play that just, you know, without the end of a guide, just play it in as if it was a new game for me. It is the, the new PC version is you know very very nice i have never played anything besides the original playstation version until today uh i captured some i captured the first half hour of the ps4 port of the pc version uh Mm. for a little video that we're gonna have on on gamesradar.com it's probably up by now by the time you're listening to this go look for it it's uh all of the Changes that are on display in the trailer for the actual gameplay of the Final Fantasy VII remake, but like the this port is really nice. Everything looks really clean. I mean, you have the inevitable sort of washed out look of the pre-rendered backgrounds. Uh, like that's inevitable. Like in, they're they're not gonna go, you know, full uh, Resident Evil HD. Which, you know, made all of like they touched up all of that CG background art when they brought that out on PS4 and Xbox One earlier this year. 
you know, this is still the the sort of low res static images that were built for all of the backgrounds in Final Fantasy VII, but it still looks really nice. They look really cool. There's so much detail in the background, and I actually kind of like how smooth the the you know very simple polygonal characters that you see on the screen look. It, look, it was really nice. It's really nice. I uh, Susan, did you did you also play the game in 1997? I, no, I did not. I actually didn't play it. I think, gosh. It might have been 2000, 2001. Oh, wow. So, like, yeah, well, see, I, well I was, after it sort of took the world by storm. Yes. I had a Saturn. I didn't have a PlayStation. And I got one. I was very, very late to the party, and I bought one off eBay with a whole bunch of games. And being – I, I played Final Fantasy three on my Super Nintendo. Mm. And I didn't like it because of all the random encounters. I was I was new to RPGs at the time. Now I'm not sure I would I would enjoy it now being a more seasoned RPG player. It might still be too much random encounter BS. I don't know. But so I'm playing Final Fantasy VII because oh my god, it's Final Fantasy VII. It's the best game of all time. And oh my god, yeah. It's a <laughs> and the story wasn't making a whole lot of sense. But even worse than that, the load times for the random battles were about five years. They have they they're tough. They're very tough on the old PlayStation version. And I think people forget it because, you know, in recent years, you've been able to play it for six years on PlayStation 3 and PSP and Vita. And all of those things have sped up load times that you can activate. Right. Right. So So that's why I'm actually looking forward to playing I don't think I'll play the PC version that's on PS4. I think I'll wait for the episodic version mm. uh, with the, the new hotness and all that um, because it won't have the load times. Uh, the combat is going to be like a real-time turn-based hybrid, maybe. Yeah. We're not actually entirely sure what it's going to be. Um, so I think there's a bet- I have a much better chance of appreciating it now with if if they've tweaked the the technology a bit so it's not because I can deal with random encounters yeah. but I can't deal with random encounters and soul crushing load times I just can't <laughs> I'll tell you Susan just playing that opening dungeon uh, mm-hmm. like right at the beginning where they're 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 breaking into the Mako reactor to blow it up the load times for the battles are like non-existent there's the flash Excellent. there's the flash and then yeah. you're just there like it, that's it, the scene where they stop the Mako from being manufactured from Mass Effect right yes they finally they, <laughs> like they destroy the, the whole production line <laughs> <laughs> they stop the Mako from Ma- Mass Effect uh, from from happening and they finally break the brutal control of all of the sharks that are super intelligent that live in the post-apocalyptic city of Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> That's not, that doesn't actually that happen. Doesn't so, happen. So before we get to the remake, Anthony, yeah. describe to me uh, Final Fantasy VII. Assume that I am someone who has never played it, doesn't even know what a Final Fantasy is. Why should I even care about this game? Why? Because it's so old and everyone has pointy hair and the sword is so big. How does he even carry that sword? And why is there a lady right. with uh, some flowers? All right, let me lay this down on you. Let me let me lay it out. Here for we you. go. Here we go. Oh, so God, here we go. Let's talk. Let's talk just really quickly about what Final Fantasy games are. Here's the basics. Most Final Fantasy games, there are a bunch of people who are pretty good people. At the beginning, they might be kind of dickheads. 
But generally, they're good people, and they stop being dickheads by the end because they got to save the world. Usually, there's some kind of crystal involved. Ancient evil. It's always there's, an ancient evil. It's always people an evil. Ancient. ancient times. Just kill it. Just kill it. There's it's a, never evil from like away. last week. Right. It's you never know? it's never freshly <laughs> baked evil. Although no. No. In, in Final Fantasy VII, it is pretty recent evil. I will say. It's pretty recent ancient evil? It's it, there's in fact, I would go as far as to say that there is no ancient evil, but there are a race of people called the ancients. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about that. <laughs> don't worry about Calling it. Calling them the ancient evils was a little impolite. We, we, we don't. Like, the ancient evil is not the problem. There are ancients who, you know, got dealt a raw deal by an evil space ball uh, that has lady parts on front and tentacles. And that is. <laughs> okay. See, we're getting ahead of wait, ourselves. No, wait. Wait, are wait. we talking about the traveler from Destiny? Spaceball? Okay. The yeah, evil so, spaceball? So there is, is, way before there was even evil spaceball in Destiny, there was an evil spaceball that fell onto the planet in Final Fantasy VII. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're getting ahead of ourselves. The basic stuff about... So it's gr- the story of Armageddon. It's the story... It's Bruce Willis has to stop the meteor. Yeah, and Steve Buscemi helps out. <laughs> and then at the what end... Happening? At the end, uh, Fickner walks up to Cloud... And says permission to shake the hands of the bravest <laughs> Tetsuya Nomura character ever designed. No, wait, oh I got confused. God. We went too far. All right. So the basics of Final Fantasy are all there in Final Fantasy VII. There are a bunch of good people who seem like they're kind of jerks at the beginning, but they ultimately end up doing the right thing to save the world. What makes Final Fantasy VII special in that pantheon is two things. The first is its scale. There is an insane variety to the world that appears in that game. Usually, like, it's just you you have pretty consistent environments in most RPGs. Everything feels like it's of a piece in a country. You know, you play Lightning Returns, and there's the Gluttony Town, and there's the town of old artwork. But, like, you, they feel related to each other. In Final Fantasy VII, the world feels so vast that it feels like a real planet rather than just a continent, rather than just a country. You go to red rock canyons that look like they're, you know, some kind of weird Led Zeppelin version of Arizona. And then you go all the way to a freaking floating golden amusement park in the middle of a desert that a giant red monster lives underneath of. You go to a city made of bones. You go to an ancient forest that has some kind of Incan temple that flower girls grew up in. It's just crazy. It never stops throwing just this wildly imaginative place at you. And the other thing that makes Final Fantasy VII so interesting is while there is the melodrama of these people who are ostensibly good, but they're kind of jerks finding out how to be good. Well, that's all there. It's just there to ground the piles and piles of bizarre shit that's happening the rest of the time. It's so goddamn weird. There is a slap fight between a secret agent and a ninja on top of a statue of Buddha that a pimp almost falls off of. (laughs) 
A morbidly obese man attacks you in an astronaut's backyard and the fight ends when he gets hit by a truck. You have to jump off a dolphin's face to climb a crane. It's, <laughs> it's, oh my God. It's, it, that it, should be on the back of the box, right. surely. Just have yeah. that there. Just have that there. <laughs> it's like, it, 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 you never stop doing bizarre stuff and it's not just like surrealist extravaganza and none of it has anything to do with each you know do with anything else there's like a molten emotional core that links it all together and it's paced terribly you know i really hope like the remake cuts a bunch of like shit out because like it'll be like oh no the world is ending there are building sized monsters flying through the sky and they answer to a space ball lady with her tentacle arms and her evil clone son with siegfried and roy hair but then it'll be like ah forget about them we're gonna go to a giant mountain where a condor lives at the top and we're gonna play a strategy game for a while it's, oh man i hope that's cut i hate that part i hate, right. hate Hate it, hate it, hate it. Cut it out. Cut that part. Paced terribly. The script is kind of balls, but like... Keep the snowboarding, though. Keep the snowboarding minigame. I like that. Keep the snowboarding. Keep the motorcycle game. Keep Keep the squatting minigame. I'm sorry, what? You gotta do do a bunch of squats in the gym. (laughs) You gotta do squats. Susan, how else are you gonna get a glamour wig straight out of a hairspray if you don't know how to do squats with the gym bros? It's a fair question. (laughs) It's a fair question, sir. Oh, yeah. Final Fantasy and like the soundtrack is just. I hate to sound. Yeah. I, I hate to sound like Jack Black in High Fidelity, like when he's talking about Evil Dead, where he's like, it's so funny and violent and the soundtrack kicks ass but like that that description like that that is final fantasy 7 that's that's oh man it's great it's okay, just side side question is there a final fantasy game with bad music like has that ever actually happened hmm. uh, yeah. i'm sure some of the spinoffs have bad music yeah huh. and and some of the mainline ones like there are people that love it there are people that adore the soundtrack to final fantasy 11 I think it's kind of. Oh. Lit. I think it's some phoned-in okay. bullshit. Like it's it's not great. Uh, and I, I, in fairness, I do forget eleven and fourteen when I when I talk about Final Fantasy games. Yeah, and I think like the the requirements of an MMO are different because I mean it has to be it has to be something that's inoffensive mm. can go on like forever like mm-hmm. whether you're sitting in town crafting arrows or you're out attacking somebody. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Well, you know, that's my, my theory is that uh, video game music is, in overall, it's, it's slightly worse because we've lost turn-based battles. Because we've lost, like, that formal moment where it's like, okay, everyone, we're fighting now. We need to create a melody that can be heard a billion times. Right. And yeah. somehow captures the fact that it's going to be exciting, but it's also, like, a formal part of our game. So that's, like, I love battle themes for that reason. Because they're so, they're it's the kind of music that we, you would only hear in a video game, and it's unmistakably mm. video game ish. Mm. And that's since true. we're moving away from that stuff and into real time combat, I feel like that's something that's just lost. It's just not there anymore. They've they they've done a pretty good job. So Tetsuya Nomura and Yoshinori Katase, the the uh, character designer and director of the original fi- Final Fantasy VII, who are now sort of like co directors uh, on the remake have talked about the fact that the the semi-action-based battle system is 
as Numora put it, sort of an evolution of the battle system in Dissidia and Kingdom Hearts. And I think that that's actually a good sign. Because that means it'll probably play a little bit like the Final Fantasy VII prequel for PSP Crisis Core, which was awesome. Oh, absolutely. Story made no sense, but boy, was the battle system fun in that. But it was awesome. So good. Hajime Tabata directed that. He's the one directing Final Fantasy XV, and he's a crazy son of a bitch. Uh, That game does have, like, a really great battle theme. And, like, it's like it'll put you in areas where you're fighting for a little while and then it'll be like, boom, nice active music as opposed to, you know, uh, another action game. Like, it doesn't do the thing like in Zelda, which I think is what you're describing, Luddy, where it's like you lose that battle theme magic because instead the music just dynamically changes depending on if you're in a Well, I mean, it's, it's that in a combination of like people thinking like good music has to sound like the movies it's all like Hollywood right. kind mm. of scores right. um, which is actually why I love the Final Fantasy 12 score because it's like it's very much about just conveying the texture of an area and mm. like it has this sort of rich sounding quality you know it sounds like classical music but uh, with a fantasy spin on it uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention about Final Fantasy 7 the reason that I think it's so well cherished is because it was it's like one of the most obvious products of its time yeah right like it's the the perfect intersection between technology uh we got a new new media you could put games on cds so we filled it with fmv and there's that moment in the beginning of final fantasy 7 which i think sums it up really well which is where it goes from the computer generated scene with Aerith uh walking through midgar and like the camera zooms down and suddenly there are polygonal polygonal models on top of the video mm. and you're like wow yeah what huh? yeah yeah it's really funny in playing that intro sequence in the morning and in the morning today thinking about the fact that this was just two years after final fantasy 3 in the u.s uh on super nintendo final fantasy 6 and y- you you f- you forget how big of a shift that technology was just in how you felt like you were engaging the world. There's Oh there, my god, it felt like magic. It felt like magic. Yeah. And, and one of the characters says to you, it's like, you know, in the first 10 minutes of the game, and it's like the first instruction you get and it says press X to get on a ladder. And Cloud gets on the ladder and then goes in to the screen. He's going down. There's depth. Whereas before, and Final Fantasy VI on Super Nintendo is one of my favorite games ever made, but it's just totally flat. You know, there's no no dimension. And just like that shift, like, it was wild. You couldn't believe what you were looking at. And the soundtrack. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's, and and this is definitely, uh, I think, part of why it was not magical for me is because by the, by the time I got to it, yeah, that was, that was de rigueur. That was how games were. Mm. So I experienced that shift with other games. And so yeah. those games are, are very precious to me and, and burned into my mind. Whereas, so I didn't, I didn't have that experience, but yeah, it's kind of hard to explain if you, if you weren't there, yeah. This, is, this is very much the, the Star Wars 1977 conversation all over again. Totally. It's really hard to explain unless you were there of how mind-blowing and and paradigm-shifting <laughs> 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 
just like how life altering. Pair of it, it dimes. Was. Pair of twenty cents, baby. <laughs> this is a really obscure trivia bit about me, but I think, and, and this is so particular to me that almost nobody will care. But I'm going to say it anyway because it's my show. So there. <laughs> so there. Um, one of my favorite responses in any uh, adventure game mm-hmm. is in Curse of Monkey Island where Lemonhead the cannibal is talking to you and he says we just want uh, with the the cannibals start being vegetarians basically and you have trouble believing this and he says we just underwent a paradigm shift and the dialogue options pop up and you've got all these text lines of text of things that you can ask in response and there's just one that's Guybrush going pair of dimes as a <laughs> currency, and when you hover your cursor over that line, there's another line that pops up from the designers that say, "Please don't pick this option. You will die. Don't do it. Don't do it." And nothing happens if you do, but it's like it's the stupidest response to someone saying paradigm, possibly in all time, which is why I love it. Yeah, that's that's very you. If you, in case you've never met Ludwig, that's him. Yeah, in a nutshell, right to there a, to a T. Before yeah. we before we before we move on from Final Fantasy VII, I have I have a question we're for you. We're not moving on from Final oh, Fantasy good. VII. What are you talking about? Oh, thank God! Yeah, we're the all <laughs> Final the Fantasy VII site site. about. So, yeah. hello. So here's a question. Yeah. Why is Barrett wearing sunglasses now? At night. All right. It's, it's because he's jet black. It's not even night. It's not even night. They live in a part of Midgard that is underground. They immediately start talking about the, how they're the poor and the downtrodden, and they live in a shitty part of town that's under a giant metal plate that blocks out the sun. He literally has no use for those glasses. Those the, useless the rich people in Final Fantasy VII literally live on an upper crust yeah. of a pizza-shaped <laughs> city. He's a professional poker player. Oh. Oh, he's trying had, to better himself. I, so, I had I had no idea. Yeah, man. So there, there you go. There there are there are some things you know, like when I when I was looking for all of like the little changes in in you know the the remake trailer, I I had forgotten. Just you forget how nineties. Final Fantasy VII was, and it went deeper than the snowboarding and the CG gra- like the CG backgrounds and everything. The most '90s thing is that there is not one but two main characters with tribal arm tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> two, and one of them's a lion. That is of some silly is. shit. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Well, I mean. You know, I, I honestly I did like Final Fantasy VII when I first played it. It's not it's far from my favorite Final Fantasy right now, but um, it does have cool characters, and I and I've always liked the story of it. Like mm-hmm. even if it is melodramatic, I just like the the actual plot of it because it's weird. And I mean, th- there's a moment where it removes the playable, the main hero from the story entirely. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. It did it did unusual things, and. Uh, I'm actually quite partial to Advent Children, even though it's terrible. Oh, I think Advent it's Children's... It's great fan service. It's, I think Advent Children's actually, like... I'd say, I think it's, it was, it's like an action movie that I had to watch multiple times because of how intricate the choreography was. Yeah. But like, it, I think visually alone, it's just, like, so fun to watch. Advent Children fails for one very real reason. I actually really like it still, but it's never funny. There's no sense of humor. 
No. At all. Mm. It's just totally dour and self-serious and just... Also, you have to have played the game. Yeah. You, like, it doesn't make sense otherwise. I, you can try. Forget about it. Do they Not even name happen. the other characters besides Cloud? Well, like, did you did you see, like, the definitive edition? Like, the one that they brought out on Blu-ray when yeah, it was like, there's yeah. an extra 45 minutes to it? Yeah. That that one is way better than the... the Far superior. The, the original release. Yeah. And also interesting because it shows... Watching that Blu-ray version is fascinating because already the original animation is so dated. Like, there were were all of the new scenes on Blu-ray. When you see them cut to the original, it's dramatic, the difference between them. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy. I'm not sure if you guys saw, but another thing that came out this weekend was they asked Katase and Nomura, like, why aren't you guys just using the Advent Children character models? And they were like, because they're old, guys. Yeah, like, you said they were 10 years old, which yeah. is <laughs> incredible. They're 10 years old. <laughs> um, and they probably wouldn't be appropriate for the, the, like the, the game's perspective. So like you went over some of the changes, Anthony, in detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the third-person perspective is, is an obvious change. But you pointed out something, like, like something simple like uh, the HP, like the health that the characters have. Yep, HP increased for inflation, apparently. Apparently, that's what happened. Because they at the beginning of the game, uh, Barrett and Cloud both have like about three hundred hit points, and that's about it. And and now for some reason they both have like seventeen hundred in the trailer. Maybe. Uh, well, now here's an interesting point. Perhaps now that we know it's going to be episodic, maybe if it's not, if you can't like go back to an area and grind. Ooh, that's true. Yeah. Well, maybe, because they, they have been saying that the episodes that come out will be the length of, like, a full-length Final Fantasy game. Yeah, right. they'll be full-length. And they, they also said that they'll have sort of standalone stories. Right. So I feel like they're going to carve out little arcs. And that, that makes sense. Like, you, you can do that very easily with the existing story. Like, there are big clear moments when it begins and ends like I'm, I'm assuming that the first one is like not even going to get outside of Midgard like it's probably just going to be the first disc pretty much when you're when you're dealing with the place and you you know finally escape and there's the big climactic fight where there's a motorcycle chase and then they go to another town and Cloud and Tifa are finally like, whoa, whoa, we should probably tell you who that guy in the glam wig was, because he's supposed to be dead, and this is going to get real ugly. Uh, but, yeah, so the, the HP the HP has been increased. I think the other thing, the reason the HP has probably been increased is, you know, Susan, do you remember when Lightning Returns came out and they the developers talked about, like, why are there still even numbers? Like... Why? No, I don't. Oh, oh yeah, and and Kitase, and now I can't remember his name. The director on Lightning Returns. It was the first full Final Fantasy game he directed. He he was the battle director of the original Final Fantasy thirteen, and Lightning Returns was his baby. And they both talked about. They were like, well. We think numbers flashing above people's heads are just part of the Final Fantasy thing. Like they've got to be there. A lot of yeah. numbers. And like, like they think about it as an aesthetic, rather than you know. I get that. So do I. I, I get think, it. Yeah, I totally yeah. get it. I totally get it. 
Like, and, and really, like, when you're playing any of the Final Fantasy 13s, those numbers are meaningless. You're never worrying about, like, in the classic role-playing sense about managing that math. That's never a concern. Yeah, like no, it's all just relative. Like, this did, you know, 100 points of damage, but this does 300 points of damage, so yeah. I want to use that one. Totally. Yeah, it's, it, yeah it's, you're just looking at the, at the bar. Yeah. And so, like, I, I, part of me wonders if they're like, well, if that's the sort of kinetic action that we want this to look like, which is very similar to Advent Children and, and what people think of as that, that uh, flashy, acrobatic Final Fantasy uh, combat in the modern age. Yeah, I, I think it's probably probably more appropriate to have big numbers. There also just be a, like a lot of back and forth. Yeah, I think. Yeah, than compared to the first game, because when you start the first game, you can take out Shinra's shoulders soldiers with a one hit from the beginning. Yeah, which totally. is probably not going to be the case. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like other small differences that I talked about. My favorite one that I spotted was that when when Robot Scorpion shows up to cause trouble, I was just like, I was like, oh, Robot Scorpion, you're back. I'm so happy you're getting work again. It's probably been a slow 20 years. Uh, He's done some side jobs here and there. But Robot Scorpion comes in and his tail is already like curled up. In in like an arc, which is, is how he does his special move back in the original game, and I was like, oh, maybe maybe now that he's already like in attack mode, you won't have a moment of bad translation telling you to play the game incorrectly. Uh, one of the things that happens in that very first boss fight is the scorpion comes out, and he you know will eventually curl his tail up. Which means he's going to shoot you in the face with lightning if you hit him as a counterattack. And Barrett tells you what to do in these clipped little instructions that appear at the top of the screen. And the first one just says, attack when the tail is up. And you naturally see that and you're like, all right, fine, I'm going to slice him up. And then the next one flashes and the first one disappears and it will counterattack by shooting you with lightning. <laughs> You're like, God, <laughs> God damn it, game. Damn you. And your, and your crappy English, English translation. Okay, that, um, that is like the best accidental troll of all time. <laughs> that was one of Sony's first big, like, large-scale RPG translation jobs. Because, so, like, Sony did it for Square. Like, they did it, they did it alongside them. Uh, because that was when they first had their big publishing agreement and all that jazz. And it was just, I, I like, again, like there's, there's a ton of character in that final fantasy seven script. Uh, they're very memorable. It's very poorly translated. There are, it's riddled with typos and it's a bummer for anybody that was like already a fan of those games because the guy that did the trans, the English translations for the super Nintendo games sort of famously at the time, I, I don't think people know who he is anymore. Uh, Ted Woolsey did wonderful scripts uh, before that. The Final Fantasy VII one was sort of missing some of that magic. Uh, his best is Chrono Trigger. God, that's a hell of a hell of a script. Um, so there has been some backlash about uh, Final Fantasy VII being episodic, and I think of course there has. Of course there has. Part of it is because it, it, they didn't say so from day one, and I think the other part is simply that people are worried about 
when do these episodes come out and what do you get per episode and what does it cost per episode? And like the uncertainty kind of just makes people angry, I think to some degree. Um, but I think it makes total sense, especially when you think about how much work actually has to go into remaking a game like that. Like it is huge. And if all of those environments have to be 3d and produced with the level of production that we expect from a modern game, Mm. that's a lot. Yeah. Big time. And I I don't think people remember that for as broad as Final Fantasy VII is in, like, you know, its scale, we were talking about that before, just like the crazy variety in all of the different locales and places you go, people forget that they're very small. Like, they're not that big. They're all, there's a lot of them, and they're very different from each other, but they're not meant for you to walk through them as a fully three-dimensional character in the way that you, like, move through a town in, you know, like, Skyrim or or uh, even, like, a Deus Ex. They're very contained. And a, a lot of what they're going to have to do is is rethink how you move through those spaces. And that's... Of course that's going to take time. Yeah. I'm, I, think, I'm, I also think it's interesting that CyberConnect2 is working with Square Enix. Yep. On yeah. this, because I, I, I like them as a developer a lot. They make... Really good Naruto Ultimate Ninja Storm games. Those fighting games are pretty cool, in my opinion. I I have not watched a single episode of Naruto, but I enjoy playing those games. Uh, And they also did Asura's Wrath, which is also an episodic game to some degree. And it was really good. So good. Asura's Wrath is... I I still, like, am mystified that Asura's Wrath got made. I don't know how... Yeah, that's kind of a miracle. What? Like, who makes that? Who goes in, especially, like, Capcom... You know, it was 2012. Like, that company was already, like, sort of struggling. They'd had some real high-profile failures. And then, like, CyberConnect2 comes in, and they're like, yeah, we got one for you guys. Oh, yeah? What is it? Well, it's mostly an unplayable series of cutscenes. We're listening. (laughs) An unplayable series of cutscenes where you play as a really angry Tibetan Buddhist deity. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And in the third level, there's a fight that happens in a hot tub. Oh, awesome. Like, are there, like, you know, sexy dudes and ladies in the hot tub? There sure are. But then you get in a fight that goes all the way from the moon, and that Buddhist deity gets stabbed in the chest on a sword that goes all the way from the moon to Earth. Done. Make it. We're going to make all the money in the world with that game. Sounds better than Resident (laughs) Evil 6. It's, it's it's painful because it's true. Heyo. <laughs> Resident, Resident Evil 6 is the most gorgeous piece of garbage ever made. It is just... I love the monster design in Resident Evil 6, to be, to be honest. I think it's all really cool. It's just not fun to play. No. Oh, God. Um, it's, it's miserable to play. But I have to say, I, I love this. I think it's we're, we can almost call it a wave of remakes. These kind of remakes, which are sort of built from the ground up. They're not just... Uh, uh, you know, visual updates. They are the game being made again with uh, modern sensibilities in mind or or even just differences of opinion, mm. which I think is really fascinating to revisit something that you know you like uh, from a different perspective. Um, I think it's happening with Ratchet and Clank as well, uh, which despite being a remake of the first game, it is still, it feels very different and it is clearly a modern game. And by virtue of remaking something old, you're kind of... Uh, bringing something new into 
what we think are priorities for video games right now. Like mm-hmm. I'm excited again by playing a game that's just a couple of planets and you go from planet to planet and you shoot stuff and you jump on stuff and there's no big open world. There's no, you know, triple tiered progression system oh. and a multiplayer component. And it's not like this all encompassing product that is trying to capture me for yeah. six yeah. months, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like I'm excited to play a game like that again. And even though we we've had games like that, it's really fun to have them back because that makes them feel new again. Like it's now it's the different kind of game. Yeah. They right? they, they sound heavenly. Like I, I cannot wait for that Ratchet and Clank remake. And then the same for for uh, well so the other cool thing about the Ratchet and Clank remake is because the movie got moved to April uh and Insomniac is pretty good at making a Ratchet and Clank game relatively quickly. That that game has been polished up for months now. Yeah, yeah. Like so, when it comes out, it'll be just like a joy to play. I think like it'll be so smooth from beginning to end. Um, and I hope the same thing happens with the Resident Evil Two remake, which I believe they have now confirmed is not just an HD update; it is a full-on remake. Oh, man, so they Susan, did you catch this? Because I know you love Resident Evil 2 as much as I do. I do, yes. And I like so there was there was a group of people that for a few years now had just been slaving over this full remake of Resident Evil 2 in Unreal Engine. Yes. And and I, I think the three of us have covered this game in the past. Uh, like talking about their demos because they looked really cool and they, you know, Capcom sort of put the kibosh on what they were doing, but Capcom recently flew those people out to visit with the guys making the Resident Evil 2 remake and like come and come and see what they were doing and give their feedback. And obviously they they were they were NDA'd out the wazoo. They weren't allowed to talk mm, about right. anything. But they they hinted at some things. And the the strong implication is that not only is it going to be a remake in the style of Resident Evil HD, it, it they're they're going to add new stuff in the same way that that game did. Like they're going to change up the structure a little and expand it. And I, I just cannot wait. I can't. I hope they talk wait. to some of the people who were involved in making revelations too, which was, is like the best resident evil game in years. Oh, it's the same. It's the same. It's not the, great, but it's the same producer, good. the same produce, the guy who directed, uh, Revelations 2. Uh, <laughs> he he's worked on all of the Resident Evils, uh, like since three, I think, and he's he's involved. He's he's on that team, including a lot of the people that worked on the original when it hit PlayStation back in 1998. It, you know, with the exception of Hideki Kamiya, who is off. I don't even know what that guy's doing at Platinum right now, making a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, apparently. Oh yeah, that's the thing. They're making a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. Yes, that is, that, that is. I mean, it makes total sense, and that means the next game will probably be as good or roughly in the same hemisphere as their other Activision stuff, which yeah. is Transformers: Devastation and The Legend of Korra. Uh, well, it is amazing how they crank those up, and they're like all pretty good. Let's be clear: the the Transformers: Devastation is a marked step up over Legend of Korra. I like Agreed. Legend of Korra, but Transformers Devastation. I almost, I almost, uh, I almost fought. Oh wait, Hideki Kamiya is working on um, Scalebound. Scalebound, that's right. That's like that's like their 
big game He's, while they do this uh, licensed stuff on the side. How to Train Your Hipster Dragon. I can't wait for that. That looks so good. It does. They're also doing uh, Star Fox and um, God, there's busy. one other. Near, near 2. Near 2, which looks hot to death. All right. I have a question for you two. So this this past week, uh, you know, between uh, the the Game Awards and PlayStation Experience, not only are we seeing all of these amazing you know remakes and stuff, we're getting all of like the impossible sequels that people have been clamoring for forever. We're getting the Final Fantasy VII remake. We're getting Shenmue three. We're getting Psychonauts two. We're getting we're getting like we're getting the Resident Evil two remake. We're getting all of these impossible dreams. We're getting near to what is left. Like what are time the, splitters? Time splitters, yeah. Like and and I think Crytek will probably make that happen at some point. But like even that, I don't think that's at the same scale as those other ones. Here's oh, the thing. Okay. Whoa. whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you've you've set it off now. Psychonauts two, of course. That is that is a much beloved, cherished game that people have been asking for a sequel to, pretty much ever since it came out. Yeah, totally. And and you were given, like two levels into that game, and you're like, there has to be a sequel. There has right. to be more right. of this. You're gonna tell me that near two. Is and 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 a new good time splitters are not parallel no, to each other. You're, you're totally right. They're totally parallel Thank to you. each other. They're totally. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, if it were if it were me, I'd want Second Sight too. But Second Sight was amazing. Second Sight ruled. I didn't really care for it. Aww. Oh no, I dug it. I dug it a lot. So cool. I really dug it. But maybe I'll try it if they bring it to PS4 through the PS2 emulation. Maybe. <laughs> so well, here, okay. So here's what I I love about the first group of. Uh, games that they announced for the PS2 to PS4 emulation. So we were when we were putting together our wish list, which you can read on GamesRadar.com, my favorite website. We we were throwing out suggestions, and and certain editors would be like, "Gee, I don't I don't know if that's that's a game that people know about. You know, that sounds kind of niche to me." When we're like, "Dark Cloud Two, Mark of Cree," like, "Gosh, I don't know." Yeah. <laughs> What are, the, what are the two Zeno games? Xenosaga didn't make it onto the list, which I'm still crying into my, my anime pillow over I mean, every how, single how day. How did that not make the list? I don't even understand that. Yeah. That's, but yeah, and, and admittedly, we got Dark Cloud and not Dark Cloud 2, and Dark Cloud is the inferior of those two games, like, vastly. Why? Inferior. Why did that happen? Did Sony not publish Dark Cloud 2? Is that what that was? I All I know is... The all that has been said about why that group of games is the first group, it's all about rights. Yeah, this was the this was the easiest group to have the rights to, so that's what you get. Yeah, that that makes they're all Sony published games, right? Yeah, all of them across the board. I believe uh, so. Could be wrong. Grand Theft Auto Three is the biggest one in yes. there. Um, but here's here's my question about that. Yes, okay. obviously, amazing game, much beloved. Does anybody still want that? No. That doesn't have no. it? That's and a like, good question like, because it's like th- those kinds of games, especially with Grand Theft Auto, I feel like the, the the reason that you go to that game is present in all of them. And they're sequels that are so so dramatically different or not yeah. different but improved that it kind of feels like the previous one is obsolete. And that exactly, if you are exactly. looking to get an itch scratched – 
you get it from the new one. Right, right, right. Like, I mean, going back to an older RPG, like Dragon Quest VIII, for example, which is Mm. coming out on 3DS, yeah, you want to play that as opposed to a newer Dragon Quest because you want that specific game. You want to play that game with those characters and that soundtrack and that dialogue and those voices, right? Like, the, the newer game might have different enhancements or stuff, but that is a specific entity. Whereas something like GTA or a Call of Duty or something that comes out more regularly, mm. you, it's not about the specific game. It's more, it's more mechanical. Yeah. Like, I don't think anybody's going to GTA for, you know what? I really need to experience Nico's journey <laughs> once again. Like, you, you're playing GTA more for the, the ability to run around the world and play in it mm. as opposed to, like as opposed to the world itself. Yeah. If you want to play a Rockstar game where a former criminal is just trying to get back onto the straight and arrow, but is pulled back into world of crime for just one lost job, it you have lots of options. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Have to that one. The exception might be Red Dead because that's a Western as opposed to yeah. Right. Yeah. Even even like even then too, the other PlayStation 2 Grand Theft Autos are infinitely superior to the like to three in that regard like three like three was is one of those games that was groundbreaking in so many different ways but that is not aged gracefully as a thing that you want to dive into it survived for years in the modding community there were there were people that did all kinds of interesting things with it on pcs like, you know, just filling it with all goofball mod stuff. But also, like, there were the people that made, you know, like, private servers to go in and role play in Grand Theft Auto oh, 3. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, like a, PC, a PC game is a completely different animal because right. of the modding community. Like, there are still people playing, you know, Morrowind as opposed to Skyrim because right. of all the mods that are available. And that I totally get. Mm. But this ain't that. No, this is, this is just straight up the PlayStation 2 version. And... Yeah, I mean, like, every, like, Grand Theft Auto 3 has been released on almost every computing device in the past seven years, right? Yeah, like, I, I think my toaster runs it. Yeah, you're, I'm pretty sure that we have home appliances that are like, oh, it comes with uh, Minecraft and Grand Theft Auto 3 pre-installed. Oh, that's a great value add. Thank you, guys. I always wanted, <laughs> I always wanted that, that horrible murder simulator. Um is what Joe Lieberman said. But um, the only thing that I don't like about the PS2 games on PS4 is that they are, I don't, I, I don't like the approach. No, me neither. I don't. What do you mean? Well, so if you compare it to what the Xbox one is doing for Xbox mm-hmm. 360 games, it is a pretty, it's like a system wide support of the console. Like the for, Xbox for, one. For listeners who might not know, want, want to break it down. How is the Xbox doing it? And then how is the PS4? Doing okay. It? So Xbox one is you put in one, once the game is on the list and the reason it would be on the list is not because they had to make a special version of that game for Xbox one. The Xbox one is being tricked into thinking it is an Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. So in a perfect world, you would put any Xbox 360 game that you own, or you would buy it online again through the xbox.com uh, web store and it would just run it would just play that's it any game that you already own you put it in the disc it checks it says okay there it is uh and we'll download the version for you that you will play from now on because obviously um every game needs to be installed still on the new consoles you don't play anything off the disc anymore right um so 
the things that are holding them back from having every single game available right away is that they do test all the games to make sure that there isn't a weird issue with that particular game and the way that they are emulating the Xbox 360 console on the Xbox One. They have to make sure that there isn't music in the game uh, that needs to be renegotiated because you have a license for certain platforms. And even if you support a platform on a newer one through emulation, you still have to change that. And the publisher has to say, yes, we will allow you to do this for us. But the approach is that's why they put out a hundred games on day one, because you get a lot of games just running through their approach to emulation. What Sony is doing in comparison, at least from our side, like I don't, know any of the particular details on the technical construction of these games but what it looks like they're doing is that they are creating new modified versions of the playstation 2 games with things like trophy support which would require uh, an update to the game's code to create the triggers for you've done this thing so now you get the trophy Um, and that's cool so because you'll have trophies from ps2 games adding to your overall trophy level and you can share play those games you can broadcast them um but you do have to rebuy them because it is technically it's it's basically a new game yeah derived from an old one so your ps2 discs do not work the ps2 classics that you've purchased before through ps3 do not work um and so there, so there's the only way is to rebuy, even if you already own the game, and which to, is disappointing. To not even offer a discount for yeah. people that have the PlayStation Classics version on PS3 is is crappy. Like, I mean, even Nintendo, Nintendo, who has the worst strategies for digitally releasing games on the planet, still offered discounts for people that you know had purchased a virtual console game on Wii that wanted to get it on Wii U. They were like, yeah, you'll have to buy it again, but you only have to pay us like two bucks. And like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why Sony's doing this. And the thing is like, you could make an argument for the fact that there aren't maybe that many people. If you look at like the overall group of people who own PS4s, maybe there's a very small group of them that would actually want PS2 games, Mm. including the ones that they already own, want to play them. And maybe that's too much of a hassle, but I feel like it's very difficult to get excited by this because the person who is excited about being able to play these classic games, like they're a big PlayStation fan already, right? Like they, they're the ones who you're catering to. Yeah. They want to be excited, but it's difficult to be excited when it's like, well, you have to pay $15 for this game again and provided it looks nicer. It runs a little better, but it's, we're basically ignoring that you have this thing and it's part of this storyline, which is particular to PlayStation where the support for PS2 games is kind of like gradually whittled away. And now mm. it's like kind of half-heartedly coming back. But I mean, you used to be able to just put a PS2 disc in the PS3 and it would work perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and then was it was like, we'll try awesome. software emulation. And that was like a little iffy because only some games worked. And it was, you know, a little spotty, kind of like the way uh, the Xbox 360 played certain Xbox original games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I just think the approaches are, the Microsoft approach is much better. But at the same time, I also think it costs them a lot more money. Yeah. And they're willing to invest in it. And Well, yeah. And, and here's the thing. I think just from a technological point of view that's that's where it's all going horribly wrong because the ps3 is a freak yeah. yes. it, is, it is a technological freak the xbox to the 360 to the one is much it's a much closer ecosystem so it's just plain and i don't know this for a fact i am i am making certain certain educated guesses that it's easier for mm. xbox to do that to to 
say, okay, we're going to recreate a 360 environment within yeah. the Xbox One. And Microsoft is a software company. Yeah. Like they, right. they have enough people to throw at this problem. Right, right. I mean, like, this is what they do. Also, I think, but but even beyond that, even beyond the fact that, that going from PS3 to PS4 is just an unholy nightmare from a tech point of view, I feel like they're also going for an emotional difference. Like, we're going to pretend the PS3 didn't happen. <laughs> and PS2, everybody. It's on now. On. If you want to play something, you can play it streaming. Yeah, but y- you loved your PS2, right? You used to have that when you were in college, right? And a stack of games. Remember that? That wasn't that awesome. You well, you probably just bought a PS4, and isn't that great? Wouldn't you like to recreate that emotional feels? Mm. I, I completely agree. I don't think it makes sense for them to uh, make it so that you could pop a disc in and play it. Because there's just not numbers wise, that just doesn't make sense. Like I would love that because I still have all my PS2 games well, that I want to play. Well, especially with PS2. Like here's the thing. Like this is why I think Microsoft did the, made the right decision, and this is why they spent the money and the the engineering resources is because the group of people who have Xbox 360s in the U.S. especially is mm-hmm. massive. Yeah. Yep. And you want those people when they're considering, okay, it's time for me to upgrade my system. Yep. Do I get the one, do I get the PS4, which is like lots of cool exclusives and is more powerful technologically? Or do I want to keep playing some of my 360 games? Right. Do I want to keep them in, like, that makes the Xbox One just a little bit more appealing. Yeah. And yeah. I think and that's exactly why they went for it. Keep in mind, what most people do when they buy a console is they trade their old one in. Yeah. Yep. Because they, you know, most folks when they're buying a console can't just keep the old one and just lay down the four hundred bucks or whatever. So they they trade it in to defray that cost. So it that does make that uh, a lot easier in the three sixty environment. If you're like, well, I can trade in the console but keep all the games mm. and still right. play them. That's hot. Like that's that a is play a, for a large audience. Yeah. Whereas the PS two emulation right. is more like. We listen to you. Yeah, we exactly. know your, your fans out there. Here's some. Here's what we think you want. It, it's also. I important. do, however, agree that if you have, if you bought the PS3 version mm. of the PS2 game, yeah, man, you should get a discount. Yeah, that's just good customer service. Like, okay, having played the disc, no, come on, because you could buy probably buy it for fifty cents at a right. yard sale, <laughs> <laughs> and they deserve some kind of cash. Let's yeah. be honest. Okay. But yeah, you should get a discount if you already made that purchase once. Yeah. And and like, you know what? Like even even in terms of parity with their primary comp- competitor, the vast majority of the backwards compatible games uh, from 360 to Xbox One are not disc-based games. They're Xbox Live games. There are only yeah. uh, like I I I don't even think it's a third or a quarter of the 100 that were released are actually disc-based games. Like, they have some heavy hitters. Like, the fact that, you know, it's Halo... Mass Effect is right there. Mass Effect, Halo Reach, Bioshock, uh, and, like, recent ones. Like, you know, South Park Stick of Truth is one of the the disc-based ones. But, you know, the, the rest of them are all, like... Knights HD and Castle Crashers and, and stuff like that, you know, or, or Perfect Dark HD. It's, it's difficult... To offer that for right. for those games, and you can forget about most racing games though, because that licensed music—it's a killer. Oh, done. Yeah, forget music, it. Music ruins everything for, in yeah. terms of rights management and licensing yeah. and stuff. Which is why the re-release of Crazy Taxi is worthless. Which is which is why <laughs> you can't play it. Never have SSX three ever again. They will <sighs> never give it to us ever. Uh, so while we while we're still on PlayStation, let's. I just wanted to rush through. 
some of the some of the new stuff that came out from PlayStation Let's do it. Lightning Round. Okay, so we got Final Fantasy VII remake footage. We already talked about that. It looks cool. Yep. I think we're on board. We're fully on board with that. Uh, Battleborn is getting a beta on February oh, 9th. I, I like that hearts. game. It's like cartoon talk shit with your friend's destiny. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I, I, Susan, I, I'm right there with you. That was my reaction. Ludwig and I played this game for the first time together. Mm-hmm. And we were both like sitting there like... <laughs> like while they were talking about it, they were like, "We want to offer you a multi-tiered, competitive multiplayer, cooperative, social experience." <laughs> oh my god! Stop it! And it's just stop. like, shut up, shut up. Here's but, the th- okay. So here's the thing. I, I I have not played the game. It might be really really fun. I and I do personally really enjoy the art style. But you know they are desperate. You know things are not going well when Randy Pitchford. Who is not lacking for confidence <laughs> is going up on stage going, I want to make sure you understand yeah. that this game does ABC. Please understand. Please, guys, hello, is anybody <laughs> listening to the, I want to make sure you know. Please to look this, forward. Please, I, wait, the game is, and I, and just to, as a real informal poll on Twitter, uh, during the, the keynote, of uh, from PlayStation Experience, I just asked my followers, "Hey, are any of you at all interested in Battleborn?" Did they even know what it was? Half of them didn't know what it was. The right. half that did were like, "Nope, don't care." Is Overwatch. that battle? Is that the battle cry? The new yeah. Bethesda game? <laughs> Which battle is that? No, they're all like, "No, battle Overwatch. Front? I want to play Overwatch." Sorry, so, Overwatch. Ooh, and I forgot like, about that. And, and like, like the thing is, is that they're they're different games. Overwatch and and Battleborn. It's so weird to watch them struggle with Battleborn because they're trying to sell it with like the hip language of what's popular right now. When if this game was made 15 years ago and it had a different name that wasn't generic McStupid Town, it would <laughs> it, like it would actually it would be the easiest sell in the world. What did you guys make? It's Cartoon Gold, Destiny. It, we know we made Street Fighter Goldeneye. It's Street Fighter <laughs> characters. They're all cartoony and they all have wacky voices and wacky personalities. And then you play a match and it's Goldeneye. Are there five of you? You unlock new powers every five minutes. When the match is over, you go back to zero and you have to find your weapons again. It's the pitch is great. It's very old fashioned. And they're trying to be like, nah, dogs, it's Battleborn. It's Mobotastic. And it's socials. <laughs> Shooter. Stop it. Stop it's it. Socials. Stop it. Socials for days. You Did you see act- them calling that? A hero shooter? Oh, God, guys. Yeah, no, stop it. Yeah. Shut up. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. It is a fun game. We can confirm it is fun. It's, bl- okay. it's a blast. It's so much fun. And I, I wish they would stop trying to... Stop trying, stop trying to make social happen. <laughs> they finally announced the final, the final Street Fighter V character before the DLC characters, and his name is Fang Fang. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an acronym. I love that. Does he he's have- also extremely creepy. Oh, I love. I think he's cool. I haven't even seen him. I did. I, I have no idea what he looks like. I, what does he look he, like? Anthony, did you ever see? Did you see Kung Fu Hustle? No, I'm not. Oh, yes, I have seen Kung Fu Hustle. Do you remember one of the the uh, creepy dudes who played the uh, was it a piano or was it a they played a, an instrument to fight? Oh, yeah. Cool. Like he that? looks like that. 
Oh, that's awesome. I'm totally in. That's awesome. I like it when uh, Street Fighter gets weird. Speaking of awesome, uh, Full Throttle Remastered is coming I, out. I, I, yeah. I don't care. I think that's, that, is, that is easily my favorite Tim Schafer game. So don't care. It's you so just, good. You just don't care, Susan? I don't care. I, if you do, then I am very happy for you. I've never played it. It's only coming it. out in 2017, so I'm you have plenty of time into, to learn to love it. Uh, Day of the Tentacle. Okay, which is also getting remastered. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's the first one. But uh, the way you feel about Day of the Tentacle, that's how I feel about Full Throttle Remastered. Okay. Uh, are, you guys, are, are, are you guys, speaking of remasters from the PlayStation experience, are you guys as pissed as I am that Sony has trapped you into buying a PlayStation VR helmet? Because they, yep. tra- they trapped us. They, I, I have they no goddamn trapped us. <laughs> yeah. You are, of course, referring to Res Infinite. You know, yep. Seriously. So I'm watching <laughs> I'm watching the the keynote on my PlayStation in my house. Oh. Because I was like, hey, I'm curious as to what's going on. And the, the stage goes dark, and you hear the countdown in Res. If you've played <sighs> Res, the countdown before you transi- transition to the next area, you know it. You know that sound. It is incredibly distinct. And I heard that, and I begin losing my shit in my living room. I'm just like, no, no way. Oh, my God, it's Riz. And then it's VR, and he comes out in the suit. And, and it's I'm Tetsuya like, Mizuguchi. It's Tetsuya Mizuguchi. And I'm like, this this is okay. Well, now I apparently have to buy a VR headset because this gives my life meaning right here. What is happening? Yeah, I actually okay. think that was the best announcement. It's like Perfect for a PlayStation experience. It, it is really is, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And, oh, and it's man. like one of the best games ever made. And when you when someone tells you it's in VR, it's like, oh yes, obviously. Well yeah. Totally. Clearly. Yeah. It's like you get to be Lawnmower Man. Yeah. With music. With really, really good music too. Johnny Mnemonic. It's so God, it's so good. It's, it's so, so good. It's so good. It's kind of stupid. Because what it does better than any other game and like yeah better than rock band better than guitar whatever is it makes your contribution part of the music mm-hmm. like when you're aiming and shooting it becomes part of the music so it's not just you're laying your sounds on top of the soundtrack you're helping create the soundtrack and it's it's just it's so good yeah it's just so good nothing nothing else has managed to do it in the same way to like um, you know, uh, what was the the not great sequel for Xbox, the Connect game? Oh, Child of Eden. Child no, of if Eden. you pl- if you play it with the Connect, yeah, it is a tr- it is a transcendent experience. It is cool with the Connect. It's cool and if with you the Connect. It's just it's just a game. I would yeah. also play it in VR. Uh, I would play that in I'd VR. Play that big in VR. Time. Yeah. It's still not as good as Res, but no. it's no Res. It's no. Oh, uh, damn it. The other game coming to PlayStation VR is Psychonauts in the Rhombus of Ruin, which is a game that takes place between Psychonauts one and two. It's going to be a first-person game about um, clairvoyance, essentially, and you'll jump into the heads of different characters and set things on fire. Do, do we expect? Fun. Do we expect that to be like a game, or is it going to be like an interactive? Experience. It's an interactive story. Uh, Tim Schafer yeah. told me that it was like a puzzle game. That's what it's going to be. That so makes sense to me. You'll cool. be because he said he didn't want to move around a lot, so yeah. you would be yeah. using your mind essentially to look at things and manipulate them to solve puzzles. Cool. Yeah, I'm in. Um, which sounds great. Like I think it's perfect. It's a great idea. Uh, they also had a really funny parody of the Palmer Lucky Time Magazine cover. Oh, yeah, it was so yeah. funny. So- 
That was so good. Uh, they also just said like, hey, Nuclear Throne is available on PS4 right now, which means that the game is finally done. It's it's like, this is one of the first early access games. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's been, been developed in- for a real long time. It's a twin stick shooter-ish kind of thing, but it has like roguelike elements and it's very difficult. It's a really awesome game. Since like 2013, right? Yeah. Like it's it's been floating in the ether for a few it years. Is like, it was like, it's a truly transparent development game like they were taking feedback like on a weekly basis to work on this game and it's like it's so Vlambeer if you like their games it is super Vlambeer and I don't (laughs) that's fine you don't like the screen shake (laughs) I'm trying to think but Luftrausers was them right Yes. Luft Rousers is cool. I like Luft and, Rousers. Uh, what was it? Uh, amazing Fishing? Incredible Fishing? Ridiculous Fishing. Ridiculous, Ridiculous Fishing. fishing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which I also like a lot. Um, Ratchet and Clank on PS4, April 12th. That's when it's that coming out. so fun. Hot to death. So fun. It's fantastic. Every time I played it, even I, and I played it like in June, I want to say. Yeah, and this is before it, like, yeah. Uh, before it even hit this show, it was already really good back then. Mm-hmm. It's like hey. pitch perfect, plays so well, looks gorgeous, and the movie looks pretty fun too. Favorite Ratchet and Clank, Ludwig? Uh, crack Time, Crack and Time. Susan? Um, honestly, the first one. Oh, first one, yeah. yeah. Crack, crack and Time for me as well. Crack and Time is like. I only got like really into them with the PS3 games. Yeah. Which me too. I thought was oh, okay. like okay. a big step up from the PS2 games. I mean, but- admittedly, my choice is there was a, a triad of platformers that came out about the same time for the PS2. Yeah. Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonists, mm-hmm. Jack and Daxter, mm. and Ratchet and Clank. And so they, they are they are holy to me. Yeah. And all, that is the all holy three Trinity. of them are it so is. different and so cool. Yup. But Sly 1 is the best one. Sly 1 yeah, is the best one. Sly, one. Sly 1 is best one. Yeah. yeah, that's a fantastic game. So good. <laughs> uh, Sly Cooper 4 was pretty good too. Nobody played it, but it was good. <laughs> It's, it's way too long. It's way too long. <laughs> that final third. Huh? That final third, man. <laughs> uh, Anthony never likes the final third of games. <laughs> it's true. No, I don't like stupid Murray rhythm games that are unskippable. Oh That's what God. I don't like. See, that was when they started making the Sly games less just about Sly and now his friends have levels. That's when I was like, eh. yeah, like just take out all of the Murray and Turtle and all of that. Just take it all out. You can yeah, get just, Carmelita though; she can stay. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ace Combat Seven is coming to PS4, and it will also have PlayStation VR support. Again, that makes total sense to me. It, it really does. Like that is not my jam, but I am so psyched for people who are into it because I know there are a lot of really hardcore Ace Combat fans out there. Yeah, and that is just a perfect fit. So I'm very, very happy. Yeah, and like I think Sony's doing a good job of like roping in known franchises and the kinds of games that you already like for their PlayStation VR yeah. effort. Like I think a lot of other VR headsets are trying all kinds of experimental things, but mm-hmm. this is very much like, hey, PlayStation gamers, you like this kind of game. Here we are. Here, let's just put a VR support in it. You'll yep. love it. Yep. Um, which is very cool to see. Um, Destiny gets a racing mode for three weeks. That's interesting. Yep. I think. Yep. That's just kind of funny, but. <laughs> Here's the thing. I remember we did we the the when Destiny first came out a year ago and the three of us did a stream mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. some of our friends. I said during that stream, why can't you race your sparrows? Yep. When it are would, they going to release the sparrow racing? Susan, wasn't it the beta? 
Like it was, was like it during it, the beta we did. Yeah, that? I think it was. It was. I think it was like that first week that we were even because we played. We streamed like seventy hours of that. We played a lot. Beta. We played a lot of Destiny, <laughs> man. We're like, hey, we this did. beta kicks ass. Hey, this full game sucks. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like we didn't do that. No, we didn't. But yeah, so obviously, <laughs> I'm into it. I think yeah. it'll be a lot of fun. I'm down. Yeah, totally. I would, I would much rather do that. Than the 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 Iron Banner Crucible P versus P stuff like blah blah yeah. Uh, the next game here. This is interesting. I had an appointment to see this game, but it wasn't it wasn't announced until the uh, the actual press conference, so they couldn't tell me anything. They were just like, "We want you to come see this game, and you'll know where to find us." Oh. So like there was a moment of like twenty minutes of confusion where I was at a PlayStation Experience because it was like, "Well, is it this game? Is this the one that they were talking about?" Is this the one I had to go see? And it turns out it was actually Paragon, which is oh. which is the PS4 MOBA. It's also coming to PC. It's from Epic Games. It's their next really big yeah. game. Uh, <laughs> well, it's their, I, I saw the gameplay of it, game. and it's like I'm kind of into it. Okay. It is. It is a. It's basically a MOBA game, but it's like it's on the on the ground. Like you're controlling your character directly, and like you have wacky powers, and it's kind of like Overwatch in some ways too. Like I'm not <sighs> interested in the top down look because I feel like it just distances me from. What's happening, and I lose interest. That's my issue with most MOBAs. So I'm into it. Okay. Um, let's see. How about? That's it. <laughs> I was like scrolling up the list, and I was like, ah, do I Nino Kuni Two. Yeah, Nino Kuni Two. Man, so did, Susan, did you finish Nino Kuni One? Oh hell no! Because nope. here's why. Did anyone? <laughs> That I know I know one person who got the distance. Glacial. So here's the thing. It's gorgeous. I mean we all agree. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Right? The core idea of collecting monsters and using them to fight for you, very persona-esque. I'm down with that. Story, fabulous. The voice work, amazing. Oh my god, could it have been more glacial in its pacing? And you have to and I like grinding. Like I like a I am down with a good grind. Not like that. Holy crap, you have to grind in that game. Nah, you have yeah. to grind just like walking around a field before you can go to the next field kind Ugh. of grinding. Ugh. Yeah, and like not only do you have to grind, yes, the voice acting is amazing, but it commits the cardinal sin of Japanese RPGs. Which is annoying child? Every attack has oh, an yeah. exclamation attached to it. Yeah. And you cannot turn off battle voices. Ah! Yay! Ah! Yay! Ah! Yay! Yay! Shut up, kid. Shoot Shut through them lightning. Oh yeah. my god. And like it's every character, and they're all yeah. cutesy little monsters, and you have yep. to fight a billion fights. And yeah. like the world is beautiful. The story is so cool. The characters are so cool, and it, the combat is is really neat. Right, combat's super cool. Like, yeah. guys, even on easy mode, and there was there were difficulty settings. You could set it on easy, and the battles went on forever, forever. You don't even get to the true world map for twenty five hours. You yeah, you can't fast travel until about thirty hours in. Oh, brutal. Just. Just brutal. I like. I want to love that game with the passion of a thousand suns, but like, I, they they got to make some changes, man. 
Well, this is this is why I'm excited about the sequel because there was so much to like in the first one, mm. a- and it was it was just very old fashioned mechanical choices getting in the way. Yeah. So if they fix the pacing, and and just assume you don't have all the time in the world to grind. Yeah. Then I think you'll end up with a really fantastic experience. Because I'm just going to throw this out there: the main character is called Evan Pettywhisker. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, how about this one? A 100 foot robot golf. In. I'm um, in. Totally in. Yep. Um, yeah. In. Uh, this is a VR game in which gigantic robots towering over skyscrapers play golf. I'm into it. Awesome. I'm so the, the, into it. The I'm makers like of Roundabout, which is the game in which you pilot a sp- an ever revolving taxi. <laughs> yes. Um, taxi limo. Sorry. Yeah. Um, the great thing about all this is that despite how stupid that premise is, that is an excellently designed mechanical game. It's great. It's so good. The so premise for, the same. for 100 foot robot golf is just you are 100 foot robots <laughs> playing golf and sometimes you fight. Who, Susan, do, you, you not- do you know who's piloting the mech though? A corgi. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like how like it's like a checkbox. It's awesome. Like corgi. Awesome. 100 foot robots. Awesome. Golf. Awesome. Uh, one more thing from the PlayStation experience that just popped back in my head was uh, the Until Dawn thing, the the VR thing. Oh yeah, the Until Dawn, yeah, Rush of Blood. Yeah. Rush. What is that? It's like you're it literally is. on a scary roller coaster that is going through Until Dawn type stuff, and you shoot yeah. at enemies. <laughs> it's not. Yes. It's not. You put on a VR helmet, and then you're trapped with Grant Ward for a day. Oh, that would be too scary. <laughs> Nobody could handle that. You, you put on the VR helmet and you are the badger trapped in the cabinet. Oh, Anthony. Yeah. Speaking of the badger, because remember what, when I you were playing through Yeah, it's a Wolverine. It's a Wolverine. It's a Wolverine. Okay, my bad. What? Uh, I didn't find out why that was in there, Susan. Okay, well, it's not like it's explained, but... Uh, there is a person in the oh, game. We're not going to spoil oh, it. Who is that, who is deliberately trying to scare them? To just to deliberately mess with them. That's true. Right. I didn't put that together. Fact checked. Yeah. No, that's accurate. That is a good yep. call. There is a reason yep. for that stupid Wolverine. There is a reason for the Wolverine to be in the cabinet. I loved that game. Everything that game. about it is great. The other cool know, VR game was Golem. I thought that looked really good. Cool. It was like a about a, a, a girl. <laughs> Piloting a giant golem. It's from the from people who worked on Infamous Second Son, Destiny, Halo, and it's composed. The music is composed by Marty O'Donnell. That is a. I think it's gonna be good. Flawless pedigree right there. It is. Yeah. Okay. Um, there was also a game called The Modern Zombie Taxi Company. No, no, no. <laughs> no it was no. there. That, that it, is. There. It was there. <laughs> this is a thing that exists. But no. <laughs> but stop it. Just. <laughs> It looks like a bad game you play on your iPhone when you're on the bus. Just stop it. You know what sounds cool? Shadow of the Beast sounds cool. That that remake, that's that was that PlayStation experience, right? Yeah. What about Eagle Flight? A game in which you fly around as an eagle. Okay, that has got to be an Assassin's Creed tie-in. It has to be. Yeah. It has to be. It's from Ubisoft. It looks, it looked and sounded exactly like Assassin's Creed, yeah. right? And it's and and it's Eagle Vision when you climb the the towers, isn't it? Yeah. So it, it has to be an Assassin's Creed tie-in. Does anyone care about Fat Princess Adventures? Nope. Oh my God, they're still trying to make Fat Princess happen. 
guys yes. it's been a decade like I know. <laughs> wrap, wrap it up guys come yeah. on nobody yeah. cares yeah yeah. Uh, Hob was there, which is a pretty cool game Hob from Runix looks Games. Really cool. Yeah. What is Hob? Yeah, it's from the Torchlight people. <gasps> oh, so it's like the same kind of whimsical art style, but it's an isometric perspective puzzle slash platformer. Yeah, awesome. game. that sounds great. I like it's those guys. It's really good looking. Yeah. Oh, where's that other game? Uh, was it called Rise? R Y R I. The the one with, that looks kind of like Shadow Colossus, but it's like a cel shaded rhyme boy rhyme. Yes. Oh, rhyme. Did that? they finally yeah. show that again? No, they didn't. That's yeah, why I'm asking. No, where no. It is. well, um, uh, oh, who was it? It, it was. It might have been Kaz. I can't remember. One of the one of the Sony honchos commented on it recently. And oh, really? Yeah, not that like, like since E3 recently, and said something to the effect of like, yeah, they're working on it. It's a very complex game, and we'll show it when it's time. You know, they all they, shut up. Yeah, they they gave us the last Guardian answer, and I guess uh, I guess they weren't lying about the last Guardian. <laughs> like when they kept saying enough. it was being worked on. Them. So all right, take all right. their word for it. Yeah, that looked beautiful, rhyme, but like it didn't look more than just sort of like a pretty series of images when they showed it off. Luddy, did you play any more of Abzu? I didn't, but uh, we did send Ashley to play it, and she wrote up a preview of it. It sounds as good as ever. Susan, have you played Abzu yet? No! Oh, my God. No, because every time I go to play Abzu, there's like a bazillion people in the way, and I haven't gotten to play it yet, and I'm upset. Oh, God, I just want to live in it. Yeah, okay, fine, whatever. (laughs) I I said to the director of Abzu, after I was playing it, I was like, dude, I could just do that all day. But I got a bone to pick with you. And he's like, what? What didn't you like? I was like, well, I was down at the bottom of the ocean. I didn't see Ed Harris or neon pink butterfly people, which is some <laughs> bullshit. Bullshit. Oh, not like five people are, know what you're talking about, but that's okay. <laughs> oh. So anyway, that Final Fantasy VII remake. Okay, apparently this is this is the part where yeah. we're wrapping up the we're show and we don't know how show. to do that. No. If you if you have any advice on how to wrap up the show, please email us at <laughs> radioradar at gamesradar.com. And uh, also, I want to hear what you get to pick one PS2 game that is immediately playable on PS4. Go. Klonoa I want to hear what you, what you guys want. Klonoa 2. Not you, the audience. Silent Hill 2. Xenosaga episode 3 also sprach Zarathustra (laughs) (laughs) that sigh has to be the ending (laughs) or Xenosaga episode 2 Genseid von Gut und Böse (laughs) (laughs) what's the actual title no I know (laughs) 